0: welcome to part two of this out of line discussion with jenny and mike mccarg what's it like to have one of you very present on social media and one of you not very present on social media and is that intentional at all or is it just the way it
1: happens? It's the way it happens and it can be a pain when you're trying to engage the person that's always on social media and they're on oh, their phone. Oh, sick
2: burn. Oh, on we started off with the fire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that has been a thing in our, especially at the more that he is active on social media and it's part of his platform and everything. And I try to understand that, you know, because there is a relevancy thing there that if you're not on social media or you're not, then, then you fade into, you know, you're not relevant any longer. And so if you're trying to grow this platform, um, then you need to be there. You need to be a presence on there, but it's when it gets in the way of family time or just quality time that you're participating with us instead of sitting there on your phone, that that becomes annoying mm. in itself. Um, and the other thing is, it's like if it can affect your, your attitude about what's happening, because you're reading things on social media and like, so he's reading things on social media and he's about reacting.
2: About Donald Trump.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I
2: Politics. Was
1: Politics, or even like negative criticism and stuff, and stuff which he does, he tries to take in stride, but at the same time, it can be very hurtful. You know, you have to develop a thick skin. And um, so that's hard because it does affect his demeanor. And what, and so, and I can, I'm pretty attuned to him in living together now, being together for as long as we have. Um, And so I can tell when like something's affecting him or whatever, or if I see his fingers flying across the phone, you know, and I know he's like hot on a, on a feed, you know, or whatever it is responding to something. And so, yeah, that can be because I'm like, get off of that, you know, or whatever. So because I'm not on it and Mm -hmm. I purposely choose not to be on Twitter, I am on Facebook, but Facebook for me is one of those things where I just, I check in to see what everybody's doing, friends. I have not, I have not put a status of my own on Facebook. For quite some time. I mean, since... I feel like almost since we lived here, I have put Putney. I've tried to do more Instagram.
2: I haven't done that since i became a public figure, and you started getting friend requests from strangers. Yeah. That's I get when you really
1: started... So I started I got like, weird. Yeah. Um, I try to do Instagram, but even Instagram is one of those things I just can't keep up with because I don't know how to do, like, an Insta story. My daughter knows more about Instagram than I do, so she does that. Um, so I just i'm not on there i don't like to because i also don't like to see what people are writing that are criticisms because i don't do that well i don't handle that very well so yes um it mike did and and i'll let you talk about this but he had a month where he was off twitter like a and he spoke of that about that on a recent podcast of his Mm. and um it was actually a difference in our nightlife, like as a family, because he wasn't sitting there on his phone in the chair, you know? Um, so I know the chair. Yeah. <laughs> the chair and I love that chair. the thinking chair. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that was a definite, like you could see a difference in like, he was fully present. I feel yeah. like when social media, he's not fully present with us when social media is right there and easily accessible. Mm.
2: So I left Twitter for 30 days, mainly for mental health reasons. Uh, cause it's hard to tease apart. Thousands of people affirming you, dozens of people offering thoughtful critique of your work and a handful of people, Angry you exist. I don't think we're psychologically equipped to deal with that, so I left Twitter for thirty days, and had thirty days of flat to declining revenue. Very. Then I started tweeting again, and the revenue returned. Like it wow. was a very direct relationship. It's um, like, like
0: everyone's greatest fear that you just confirmed.
2: And I hated like leaving though because like I actually care about a lot of. Not a lot. Almost all those people I interact with on Twitter are deeply meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, But you know, post Trump, there's such a fiery intensity to our discourse, and I'm a sensitive and empathetic person, so I take it personally. Um. And so you know, it's a pain. So thirty days off Twitter was nice. I didn't miss it. And I hate that I didn't miss it. I missed people on Twitter that I only know through Twitter. I can literally picture their faces, their avatars.
0: (laughs) I was going to say. New profile.
2: But, you know, uh, (laughs) yeah, it it was tough. I was like, oh, man, if I stay off Twitter in X number of months, we won't make rent. I didn't realize how much Twitter directly... It's like the podcast, there's hundreds of thousands or millions of listeners, depending on which of the shows you're talking about. There's only tens of thousands of social media followers, but those are the most passionate listeners, right? Mm -hmm. So if I don't have that next step down of engagement for them, or actually that next step up, that like more immediacy, more attention, more conversational, more interactive, then they have no reason to go further into things that like pay my bills, like buying tickets to events or, you know, being on Patreon or whatever those things are. Yeah. Um and so that it's a it's a tough balance. I actually love it when she's not on social media because if she's on like a new thing happened when she got on Instagram, she would see pictures of me with my shirt off at just Gathering. Whereas before that was messaging I got to control <laughs> the timing of and the reception instead of instead of
1: somebody saying, Hey, I saw a picture of Mike and I was like, What? Yeah, he didn't
2: have his shirt on. And I'm tagged and she looks at my feet and then she sees the content. She's like, Oh my God, what were you doing? Because it's, you know, me in some bar, right. Standing on a bench with my shirt off, the the glory of my back hair shining in the bar lights and <laughs> giving a speech to everybody. Great. And I find that empowering and she finds it somewhat horrifying. Well. So there's that tension of like when she's on social, the distance between my public and private life shrinks mm-hmm. again. <laughs> Um, in ways that are probably healthy, but don't necessarily feel great.
0: Mm. So, what do you teach your kids about social media, and what do you talk to them about when it when it comes to mental health and the effects of mental health in social media?
2: Uh, I'm my kid, my daughter didn't get they don't get to go on social networks until they're old enough. But based on the terms and conditions, I don't do the your. 10 you can be on Facebook. Well, my kids don't want to be on Facebook. Madison wanted to be on Instagram <laughs> Only at 10. Year old right. want to be on Facebook, But she wanted she was nine or ten wanted to be on Instagram. I was like, no, you gotta be thirteen. Yeah. When she got on Instagram, we talked about cyberbullying. We talked about what sociologists and psychologists call the Instagram effect and its destructive impacts on mental health. And I've strongly emphasized the importance of face to face interaction. Macy had a birthday party. We had a phone basket all the phones were in the baskets and the kids had to be kids my kids know period if they want to go to a friend's house yes and i will drive you if you want to spend if you want to have a friend over yes and i'll go get them whatever it takes to encourage face to face neuro depth social interactions i'm behind and then i just i carefully control how much social media they have access to and, and, and we have conversations about how much time they spend. Um, we, we tried for a couple of days, I'd like to try it again, like phone bedtime that's different than bedtime bedtime. So mm. I'd love to see like just before dinner everybody's phones go on the nightstands and they stay there till the next morning. Um, and I think that like forces more person-to-person interaction. Yeah. And uh, the data tells us that's healthy. I don't think I'm being a Luddite. I think that we have a measurable mental health crisis with millennials and post-millennials that appears to be related to or a result of their high consumption rates of digital media.
0: Mm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you, Science Mike, as someone, I, I call you that, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> even though you're my friend, either that or SM. Yes. What, what so you're as you're someone who is on social media and you know the effects of mental health when it comes to social media but you also on the other hand reap the benefits of being on social media when it comes to your finances and i think that that's something that people who aren't on, and I'm not speaking just to you, Jenny, I'm no, just saying I know. in general, people right. who aren't on are like, whatever. That is like so in your head. You could literally walk away from that and it would not affect your life at all. And I'm like, bull, bullshit. It would, it would affect so much of my life. It would affect my finances. It would affect my relationships, my career, like everything. It, it, I just know that it would. So, and you're, you speaking to leaving Twitter for 30 days and having it impact your actual income what's the balance what does it look like to engage with social media have it be a part of your life have it be a healthy part of your life and also reap the benefits from the financial gains and the relational gains that come from it without having your your mental health suffer what are some practices that you might put in place um is there anything that you've tried that has or hasn't worked
2: sure first turn (laughs) off all notifications and leave them off
0: oh yeah retweet
2: second Take mm-hmm. all the apps off your phone use the mobile browser because it's such a terrible experience. It disincentivizes you from using it so often.
0: Yeah. So a, that's I
2: get on Twitter one. on my phone through mobile Safari. Oh, shit. And it's like, oh, god. Oh, so gosh. I mainly do it on the computer, oh, my which gosh. means I have designated periods of time during the day in which I engage social media. You set up boundaries so that it's not a 24-7 thing. It's like a conference call for these 25 minutes. I'm on social media. And when I'm on social media, I have a strong emphasis on being non performative and honest. So, I, you know, um, I take pictures of my bald spot and put them on Instagram. And when I'm talking and doing a live stream, if my beard is hiding an ingrown hair on my neck, I change the camera angle so the ingrown hair is more visible, so that I'm not giving people unrealistic expectations of what their body should look like, or what my life is like. I don't tidy my desk before I take the picture. If anything, I messy it up a little bit first. <laughs> okay. So I And everything I can do, I try to subvert the tendency of social media to give us unrealistic expectations about other people's lives. I talk about great moments in my day but I talk about when I feel down or I feel dark or I feel alienated because the thing is people say yeah you could just walk away from social media and that's an incredibly privileged perspective. Black Twitter for many black Americans is the only place of identity formation and solidarity for people who are LGBTQIA plus and living in the Midwest or the South the only place they can be real and open and honest about one of the most significant parts of their lives is on social media for people who've gone through faith transitions or are liberals in alabama or whatever sort of not mainstream thing your identity embodies in fact social media may be the only place you get to be totally you so what we have to do to use it responsibly is embrace its power in creating solidarity, in identity formation, in authentic expression of identity and community, while also understanding that neurologically social media is thin and that even introverts and even people who are autistic or in other ways disabled, it is almost always, not always, but almost always, healthy to engage in some measure of face-to-face real-life interaction even if that's something that's difficult in the moment mental health professionals tell us over time that's beneficial to your emotional composition Mm.
1: boom do you have anything
0: to add to that? No. <laughs> no. No. What is it what is it like for you to Jenny to watch people be addicted to social media when you just aren't? Does it feel like or does it does it make you angry? Do you get annoyed? Are you just like, do you feel left out? Do you
1: feel what
2: she like you the Facebook?
1: Oh. I like Facebook, but, <laughs> but it's a weird thing. Like, so I don't respond on Facebook. Like, I don't put stuff on Facebook, but I I can sit at my ch- in the chair in the afternoon and I can look on Facebook just to like, I just start, you know, it's that your thumb gets used to just scrolling, scrolling. Yeah. And I'm scrolling half the time I'm seeing stuff from people I don't really even have close contact with at all. Um, And so it's really it's a lot of times it's not even people. It's like articles that come in like a BuzzFeed article or Mm -hmm. something like that. And then I go to the article and then from there I go somewhere else. So it becomes like what started with the being on Facebook it went, led me down a path somewhere else. Um, I also have the very bad habit of in the afternoon, like if it's like a lot of times I get like a little sleepy time there in the afternoon. It's that little. <laughs> and, I want a little sleep. Well, but it's like like I can't help it. I can't. And especially if I'm on Facebook and sitting in the chair and I'll like on and off. I have actually asked people to be friends who I have no idea who they are and they'll accept my friendship and then I have to go back and, and she unfriends them. Unfriend oh. them. I don't know who they are, but I will have, I think I've hit on them. Cause all of a sudden I see like somebody accepting my friendship. I'm like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> what happened? And it's because I've nodded off oh while I've been, gosh. had my thumb, Do you my take trigger, Ambien? my trigger thumb. No, no. it's. I think I, I recently discovered I need more vitamin D and more B twelve. Oh so, wow! Yes. Okay. So maybe it's like an energy thing, like or something. You know, sometimes people in the afternoon that like I find so that you're if,
2: saying you need the D. Need
1: oh, the D. <laughs> back to episode one, Edward. But yes. Yeah, oh. so, so my little my thumb <laughs> lands on something. I friend somebody and I don't know who the hell they are, and mm. I've got to.
2: I died when she told me she sleep friends people and then unfriends them.
1: Well, I don't want, Jeremy I don't know who that I don't, <laughs> but does, live it her best but life. it's like, I don't want them. No one must my, my business. If yeah. I don't know who they are, I don't even know how I got to that except maybe they knew somebody that was on my feed and I went through there anyway. That is amazing. So that's all I do on Instagram. I will find that some, so, so time will pass. A lot of time will pass because I'm doing that. And I'm like, whoa, what time is it? And I just got distracted. And it was really mindless stuff. It wasn't anything that like improved my quality of life, you know. Um, And then Instagram, I find that I get caught up in just seeing the pretty pictures people are posting. And I just start liking everything because, oh, well, that's cute. I like it, you know. So anyway, yeah, that's what happens to me with Instagram and -hmm. with Facebook with social media in general. Mm. I probably would be better off without it totally because I'm not on it enough. I don't need to. I have the luxury of I don't have a platform that I'm trying to promote. Yeah. Yeah. Honey Badger (laughs) in (laughs) L.A. Instagram. (laughs) It's happening. It's happening. Um, But, yeah, so I have the luxury of not having to be on it for any specific purpose. I probably would have a better quality if I – started reading a book and fell asleep reading the book rather than falling asleep friending people who have no idea who the (laughs) hell they are. (laughs) Hey, don't be so hard on yourself.
0: So so one of the things that I do is uh, do a cat question where I talk about something that you've done that's a little bit like bold and creative and out there. And I know one of the things that you guys did was move across the country Mm -hmm. less than a year ago. Yes. And... A lot of that, I think I'm putting my own meaning on this, but I feel like you did that somehow because of social media. Yes. Because you wouldn't have been able to just like pick up your entire family and life and career and start over in a whole nother state without it. Right. But what was something? My
2: entire income comes from social media. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Clear. Got it. All right. So, in case there was any question. Um, so, so what was something else, like, maybe for you, Jenny, what was something besides the confidence of social media will follow me anywhere, I can pick up my life and my career, like, like Science Mike, picking up everything and being like, social media will be anywhere. I can move to L.A. and that'll be fine. What was something for you that you banked on as you moved across the country and picked up your whole life and you were like, I'm going to take this huge risk. Were you
1: 40 when that happened? 40. Um, Forty-two. Okay, so you were forty-one
0: when it happened. No, I was i for,
1: I'm forty-three now. Oh, I was sorry. Forty-two. You we're 42. I was forty-two. Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm a bad friend. It's okay.
0: Um. So you're forty-two. So what was something that you sort of banked on as like, I'm doing this for this, or I'm, like, when I'm taking this huge risk, this is the thing that I'm like, I'm gonna be okay because of
1: this. Um. Well, it was. I felt. Strong about Mike's inclination of that we were going to be okay. Like I trust him. I trust you know. For us to be like down with patriarchy, it still is a little bit of a patriarchy in a sense of (laughs) Mike. (laughs) You are no, not by his choice. It's not by his choice, but Mike is the main breadwinner in our family. But that is not that is a mutual choice that I have never felt coerced. In fact, Mike, if anything, is very. Uh, much wants me to find what that passion is, because I'm like, what am I going to do? I feel like there's something out there for me. And he's very encouraging of that. He has said multiple times, if there was ever anything that I wanted to do that, you know, helped us sort of like provided the income we needed to survive, he would be happy to take a back seat on what he was doing he has said that many times so he is very supportive it's always been me that i don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. so um but i so i trusted him you know i was still there was a hesitant seat because it's always hesitant when it's the unknown and especially when you've lived as long as we did in that in a place yeah your whole life and you're 42 picking up and moving across country it's a big deal um so I think I looked at it, though, and I don't know if this is part of the question, but this is what kind of tried to I tried to get my mindset of this was going to be an adventure. And this was probably what I needed to better my life, like personally, not like just, you know, better at whatever financially, but better it as living my best life, as you say, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that th- there was so much out there that I had not experienced and things that would be good for me, um, that it was limited in the area in which we were. And I think it ultimately for our children as well, um, that it there's so many more doors that can open for them in this area. Um, You know, they've already at their age, they've done a big thing. They moved cross country and created and a new life and new friends and everything. I mean, they started the year with like not many friends at all and very upset about being away from home. And they ended this they've ended school this week with parties, with yearbooks full of signatures and well wishes and your great friend and all these things. And so to see it kind of come like what it was at the, remember it was at the beginning and now what it is now. And I just feel like as a family, our life is so much fuller than what it was. I mean, we would have been content in our life there. We would have never known a difference and we would have been fine. Um, Our kids would have been fine, but I do think being here, um, it has opened our eyes to something that we didn't even know that we were missing. And now it would be hard to go back to that life that we had before because we now know what is out here, Mm -hmm. out out there in the world, you know, by taking that chance. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the social media part of the question, but that's, um, you know, it was me trusting him and his, his, um, what he was, how he felt of what needed to be done. And then also trusting that we would be okay. And that this was also good for our kids and ultimately good for me. Mm.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that, that, that totally answers the question. Cause the whole thing is like for, for you, SM, um, you knew that your career would follow you anywhere, but for, for you, Jenny to uproot your entire 40 years living in the same state, and leaving your family and your friends and everything and kind of doing it, but not being like, I think a lot of people move with their partner and they're like, I'm doing this, but I kind of hate you. And then there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like resentment and a lot of anger and a lot of sort of just sort of ugliness that, that brews. And I have a few people in my life that I know specifically who have moved because of their partner's job or whatever. Um, and they have a lot Mm -hmm. of just not great feelings about it. So I just have been inspired by the way that you've done it and been like, I'm all in. And even just like the second time that you and I hung out, it was like, we're friends. It wasn't this like, oh, Jenny kind of hates being here. And she's like very reserved. And she's not going to let anyone know who she really is. Like you very much put yourself into the Mm -hmm. move where you were like, I'm moving. So this is me. So let's be friends because I'm here. And I was Mm. like, yes. Mm. And I love that. So Thanks. I've been inspired by the way that you've just like been all in. Thank and I'm you. just waiting for that piercing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's time. Yeah. It's time. Mm-hmm. We've got like a month and a half. So <laughs> um, what do you guys do? What do you guys do for self care, for, for caring for your own mental health, and, and for taking time away from responsibilities?
2: We're devoted homebodies.
0: Yes, you are. Self-pressed. Of
2: all of our, like we moved to LA. For me, there was this huge impetus to be in creative community. I don't have any friends who have an office job and work for other people. Everyone I know creates for a living, which is like why I wanted to be here. And in that environment, we are still the homebodies of homebodies. So we go out. We go out more than we ever have. Mm-hmm. Like at least once a week. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> twice. That's
0: big. That's really big. <laughs> Watch them. They're
1: partiers.
2: Um, and so, like the, but we have this. Like it was interesting to me listening to your answer there about like how did you find the strength to make this transition? And so much of your answer was how you would know that me and the girls and your family would be okay Mm -hmm. so that you have like such, um, such a focus on your family. Um, and so knowing that about her, I haven't always been a natural homebody, but I have gravitated to be more of a homebody as a means of getting her to advocate for her own self care like kind of like push, nudging her up the hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. by like, okay, he's home, it's safe, everything's fine, so that she can actually start to make demands about herself. Because as a Southern woman, you've been like, how many people in our life have told you to bring me a glass of tea or fix me a plate in like family settings and social settings at church? I'm like, whoa, that's not how we roll, right? But so, like, you've had this chorus of voices your entire life have said, you can't worry about you. So, for me, part of self-care is making sure she takes the space to care for herself. Jenny is a person that will not only cook dinner, but, like, doesn't even want to make a plate until me and Madison and Macy all have plates and are sitting down. She, like, you know, she will be upset that people have left clothes on the floor, but then we'll pick all the clothes up instead of like demanding that the children get involved. And, um, that's why I gravitate so much towards that home focus is to almost like force the issue of actually like your needs are important and asserting what you want is important, which she'll do with me, but she's actually much more reticent to do with the children. Mm. Um, and I'm just like, the kids are going to be fine. Like, they they live luxurious lives of unimaginable comfort <laughs> because of you. Put them to work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, but they're also teenage it's coming into the teenage years, you know. And it's sometimes for me, it's like it's more fight than, you know, I don't want to keep telling them over and over. It's yeah, but let me handle just it.
2: To, I'll yeah. put, I'll, they don't fight me. Yeah. I can just throw a hundred words a minute at them. They're like, "God, stop talking." Fine, I'll do it. I'll give them. I'll give them a lecture on you know the ethics of labor and <laughs> consent. And they're, like, "Oh God, Dad, I'll just I'll pick up my laundry." Fine. <laughs>
1: it's better to just do it than to hear your montage. I do think with self care though, talking about we could like I know people who do like the like a weekly date night yeah. or something like that. We don't do that. And I don't know, I part of me thinks that maybe we should just because that would be helpful. You know, like we do have kids that are at the age where they're fine on their own, you know. Yeah, so um, nice. So, yeah, I do think that as far as self-care or our relationship care, that we could probably mm. do more. I think a lot of this year has also been adapting to a different, a new lifestyle. Mm. You know, um, we are also very much more active on the weekends, going out with friends and stuff like that and going places than we ever were before. So that in and of itself, I think, is a definitely a step in the right direction. Mm. So maybe just, you know, in the next year, unless, like, date nights. But no specific rituals as of yet?
2: No, no but once we have one, I'll definitely stick to it.
0: Nice. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like our Sunday hangs are kind of self care.
1: They are. Just that's a what. Bit. Well, that's what I feel like. It's like a. I can I get through the week to make it through the to the next Sunday. I mean, not that the weeks are bad, but it's like that's my. I know that I don't have to worry. There's gonna be time for me on a weekend. Yeah, you know and they're and my kids will have time with their friends or whatever and so but i know i'll have my time with my friends too so that's the that's thing the that nice. made
2: you feel safe to come here too
1: um, yeah we love a good life
2: yeah that those people that group yeah no them, one that there. there
1: would be a group that there would be a community of people yeah i love it you included I'm you included in, in that community. Oh,
0: well. I'm not one of the Southern Bells, but <laughs> no, I'll, be, I'll be the extra wing um, on the far side. Um, last question. What, and you can each and en- answer this individually, and I'm so excited to hear your answers. Um, what do you have in common? This is I feel like I'm going to get a very sciencey answer from you. Um, what do you have in common with everyone else? Everyone else, no matter how different or how this how similar you are, whether they're from whether they're from Dubai, whether they're from, you know, like Tallahassee, whether they're from LA, whether they're old, whether they're young, what's something that you're like if I were to sit in a room with you I'd be like, We have this thing in common and we can meet on this note.
2: Do You wanna go first? Or do you want me to go first? You go first. You wanna roll for it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You go first. I mean, I immediately think body, like something bodily, like Amazing. whether it be hair. I butter. mean, not everybody Ear. has hair. Exactly, though, not everybody has hair. Earwax. I don't oh. know.
0: Earwax
2: is probably yes. a close to universal biological trait. Boogies. Another really close to universal. I'm trying to match. So if you, if cases. like if if
0: that's if that's like true. Trump walked in the room right now and you were like, okay, I have oh, to make guys. conversation don't with him. Wonder. What would be the thing that you'd be like, we have this thing in common. I could be like, oh, you too?
2: We uh, want to be known. Oh, we goodness. We want of course. to be loved. God. <laughs> of course <laughs> his answers are going to be We that. want to care for and be included <sighs> in our families and our communities. We want to leave a mark on the world. In our own understanding, we want to leave the world better than we found it. I think that's even true of that son of a bitch we call a president. He wants to be known. He wants to be loved. He wants to be included in family and community. And on some level, he does want to improve the world. He thinks improving the world is bending it to his desire for gratification. Yep. Uh, But that doesn't mean that core desire isn't there. And I think that when we understand that about other people we can view them with more graciousness, no matter how far apart our perspectives lie, understanding that we're either operating out of those desires being fulfilled or a woundedness because they are not.
1: <laughs> of course you're going to say all that. <laughs> I'm redo, rewind. But I still wouldn't say what all you said. <laughs> I mean, he only go for like
2: I don't know. That was really good. That earwax is solid. Earwax
1: is good. I'm not aware of any
2: condition I mean, of that prevents the brunch of earwax.
1: Straight to like the feels. Oh yeah, but you're the funny one. That's fine. Know, but- Own your funny. Earwax. <laughs> warm or cold? Eating it or not? bodily fluids there
0: you go there you go hey own your brand
2: hashtag bodily fluids hashtag we are one
0: (laughs) i wonder if trump's earwax is more orange you've been listening to out of line with caroline lee Tweet me at Team Woodnote, or tag me in your posts on Instagram using outoflinepodcast. And let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on Out of Line next. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season.